1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 210, BGG Hotness, February 2019. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at DicetowerNetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast with board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode that is all about the wonders of cardboard hitting your table, that sweet, sweet smell of fresh ink and that punching of cardboard that just makes us feel all nice and warm on on the inside. Yeah, it's a funny smell. It just reminded me that I uh, I pulled out Space Core this weekend. I actually mm-hmm. posted
0: on Twitter and I asked everybody, which of these really long games should I learn how to play? And Space Core won the poll. So, wow. I pulled it out <laughs> and I was setting it up and I re- I realized as I was doing it that GMT games have a very specific smell. So I had it set right. up in my office and I left and I came back later in the day uh, after we were done doing whatever with the kids and it was like, oh, that's right, GMT game. Like not even like a Space core. My brain's just like GMT game. It's. I don't know if that's. I, no, I. I definitely know it's not a good thing that I can now recognize the smell of different manufacturers of board games.
1: Wow, you've clearly added a new special skill to your uh, tech tree. There, well done. Yeah, yeah, I've leveled up. I'm a board gamer level <laughs> level twelve now. <laughs> Yeah, I think we get to a point where I was just at Dreamation Convention in uh, Morristown, New Jersey, and I was like, you know, we, we do like 200 episodes, and we do two episodes a week, and it's been over, you know, five years, we're, we're closing on six years, and people are starting to just look at me, not like excited, but almost like a little concerned, and they're like, wow, that's really impressive, do you need a safe space to talk about this, and I'm like, Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, we are bordering somewhat on obsession, but once I hear the name of the podcast, it, it, it becomes okay in the end. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's, that's all it <laughs> <No>. is, right? <laughs> well, mazel tov on your new powers. Hopefully I will gain some new uh, punching ability or sleeving ability You know, in the upcoming uh, weeks because I'm getting some big card games in the mail and I have to sleeve a lot, a lot of games, including... As I think we mentioned earlier, Underwater Cities and a lot of games like that, the production is kind of poor and the cards are especially thin. So you just can't bring those games to the table just to try them out. You have to sleeve them, you know, like kind of like Terraforming Mars. You're, you're sleeving two to 400 cards depending on the game. And that's just a huge chunk of time on top of everything else.
0: Yeah, it took me a good 45 minutes to sleeve that one my my daughter wandered in she's like dad what are you doing and i'm like i'm, I'm putting the cards into the sleeves she's like what are you playing i'm like I'm, I'm playing nothing honey i'm putting cards into sleeves she's like let me know when you're playing something and then she runs away she's just like this is boring i'm
1: done and i'm like all right bye see adulthood isn't better it just looks better but it's it's yeah, really exactly not.
0: like when you're having fun again let me know and i'll come join you I'm like oh thanks abby thanks
1: Well, I actually did have a lot of fun this weekend. Again, I was at Dreamation 2019 and I was joining a great time with everyone there. My thanks to Vinny and Avi who run the convention with Mark and a lot of other tremendous people, way too many people to mention. I will talk about some of the fantastic teachers when I get to the at the table and the games I got a chance to play this past weekend. But once again, great time. Thanks to everybody out there and got to play a lot of games got to meet a lot of cool people we got a lot of stuff on this episode anthony so let's get right to it let's talk about the things that bga's up to why don't you take it from there
0: all righty yep it is that time of the episode uh once again this week to give away a game this is the best part last week we had our winner jeremy and uh i have actually not heard back from jeremy yet so if you are listening jeremy please hit me up in one of my messages and let me know what game you'd like uh but this week's winner i know we will hear back from because if been in touch uh, frequently over the past two years that uh, she's been a backer and that's adrian uh, and you will be a winner of one of many games uh possible games john took home root uh, a couple weeks ago he's going to send some photos of him and his game group playing that nice we have lots lots of other stuff in there Firenze, uh 18 little put lots and lots of stuff that you can choose from uh for this week's prize and next week we'll have another one so if you're a patreon backer Stay tuned. We will hopefully pull your name at some point. And if you're not, hop on over, check out patreon.com BGA. Any level is helpful for us. Honestly, we're just trying to do cool stuff like these contests and all the other amazing things that we're trying to get done on a regular basis. You know, even backing it at like a dollar a month, you can hop in the Slack, you can join our conversations, you can help us come up with new questions and share what games you're playing, ask questions, all that cool stuff. A lot, a lot of good people in there. We're also releasing two new episodes a month only for Patreon backers that you can get on the Patreon. So that's a good way to get those. And then you're automatically entered into the contest as well. Plus some other cool stuff that we're brainstorming currently. So it is the best way to go gamer level 12 like me (laughs) and develop your super sniffing powers, uh, which by the way, I think I need to make into a contest at the next con we go to. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and then next week we'll, we'll pull another name from the hat and see who takes home a game. So congratulations Adrian. Uh, Jeremy, get back to me and um, uh
1: good luck to everybody else out there if uh, Jeremy doesn't get back to you can 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 I get his game just just saying just just for a friend I'm just just asking for a friend.
0: <laughs> no, it's on hold for Jeremy. Jeremy's been uh, a good backer. all right yeah yeah <laughs> what,
1: what if I back at the ultimate level and gain your smell vision? will that you know get me a game possibly you know Oh yeah, that was one of the levels we were talking about where you could absorb my power yeah right okay yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the new one is definitely the most impressive of all the things I can do in life. <laughs> I can smell board
1: games. Well, thanks to all our friends who've been backing us on Patreon. It helps a great deal. We couldn't get these episodes out without you, get to the conventions without you. And we, as Anthony mentioned, we want to do a lot more. So have more contests for all of our listeners and be able to do fun and more interesting things. So hit us up. Let us know what you'd like to see. And we will get those things out to you. And as, as Anthony mentioned, we got a whole bunch of episodes on Patreon. So please join us so we can talk about more board gaming stuff. And even if you can't back on Patreon, please let other people know it's a great way to get board gaming out to the people and to your own personal table. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with BGA. What's going on with our listeners? What's our question
0: of the week? All right. I asked everybody what game in your collection is the biggest headache to teach new players and there's a very common theme in the answer which you could probably guess asymmetry uh we had a lot of answers here but most of them are around games like root scott mentioned root ryan mentioned spirit island kyle mentioned vast and cry havoc brian mentioned eclipse chris also mentioned vast drew mentioned twilight struggle so these are all games that are asymmetrical (laughs) you can't just teach it once you are teaching it for every player at the table individually it's a nightmare. Some of the other ones, though, there are a few other just big, heavy games. Um, Sidereal Confluence showed yes. up three times on the list, which is... <laughs> I've heard this, that it is notoriously difficult not only to learn, but to teach. And I can see why. We have Tricarion, uh, mentioned a couple times, including my Jesse. It's just a big old Euro. I think anytime you've got a game that big with that many little bits going on, you're, it's going to be a little difficult to teach. Uh, Jason mentioned Too Many Bones. It can be overwhelming to some with all of its choices. Uh, Rodney mentions feudum, uh, and that it takes about an hour to teach, which seems about right because I've ah uh, failed at learning it a couple times.
1: <laughs>
0: Andrew says any of the mind clash games, so that includes tricarium, but also anachrony and cerebria. And I can attest to a cerebria; I gave up <laughs> trying to learn that one. Oh uh, man, I know it's possible. I know Jason spent uh, over on every night's game night; he spent like a good three four hours learning how to play that game. Wow! I don't want to. I don't want to do that. So. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Uh, Tommy also mentioned the coin games. They're all very, very good, very, very long, but also asymmetrical, similar to Vast and Root. So I think that's a common theme there. For me, if I was going to pick one, in addition to some of these, probably War of the Ring is pretty difficult because it's long and there's a lot of little bits and it's just, you kind of just want the other person to know what all cards could come out in the combination so that they play it right. Because it's a three to four hour game and you don't want it to go poorly halfway through. The problem with asymmetry in a game is that you're not doing the same thing as your opponent. That That's a tough one for me. I've had a couple times where I've tried to get someone else into that game and, and teach it to them. And we could sit down and play it. It was just tough to do.
1: So for me, Glory to Rowan is probably the most complicated game that I have to teach. It's a classic. It's one of my favorite games. But since there are multi-use cards in the game, depending on where you tuck the card and there's four possible spots, not to mention the buildings themselves, something different happens. And then on top of that, somehow, you can win the game in a lot of different ways. Some of the cards will just almost give you an instant victory. So it's like, so this is how you play the game. This is how you win the game. But there are all these exceptions. And if you get them, it could completely throw the game off. So... Yeah, glory to Rome. Deceptively simple, but really, really a complex game. All right, Anthony, so that's what's being talked about at our social media. So please jump on Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our Guild on Board Game Geek. All of the different podcast places that you're listening to us, even if it's on YouTube, has comment sections, has rating sections. We'd love for you to hit us up and let us know what you are thinking. Anthony, let's get on to the games that we want to get to the table. Let's talk to our acquisition disorders. All right. So first
0: up for me is a new one just announced called Terramara. Big giant design group called Acciitoka, which I'm probably saying wrong because I don't speak Italian. And it's these four people that have designed several games together, two of whom, however, Flaminio Prasini and Virginio Gili recently designed Quimbra and Lorenzo. They worked on Lorenzo il Magnifico. So they've been on a bit of a hot streak. And this is the new game that they're working on. It's a Quinted Games release. So one of their big pretty boxes, artwork by Michael Menzel. So everything about it just on a surface, I'm like, I'm in, I'm done. But the game itself sounds pretty interesting as well. So it's, it's about prehistoric times. So it's people living these villages in northern Italy in the Bronze Age. And there's been several games like this lately that are just kind of the whole farming and gathering and building civilization angle, but going further back in time. So it's not quite as many things. It's people like trading with other villages and you know building up their sacred sites and exploring and using different artifacts and discovering technologies, quote unquote, but those things are fairly basic. I like that. It just really boils down all the core mechanics to something simple, but not a lot of games have done it very well. So I'm interested to see how this plays. There's not a lot of information about it. It just went up on BGG fairly recently. And, you know, so we know that it's prehistoric. It's modular boards, got variable player powers, of course, because that's what these guys do. And the pedigree here is strong. So I'm very interested. That said, the other games that have been released by this group of designers, none of them have really lit the gaming world on fire. I guess a I think is probably their highest rated game, but it's, you know, 10 years old at this point. I also worked on Leonardo da Vinci together, which is another game, which is okay. It's not great, but it's okay. So I'm just really interested to see how this performs. uh, And hopefully it's good because they want it to be good. (laughs) I don't really have much more to say about it other than, and that's the point of this acquisition disorder,
1: right? We don't know anything, but I still want it. So there you go. (laughs) All right. Another Kickstarter that's out there you might want to take a look at is Tiny Epic Tactics featuring a 3D environment. Tactical combat in a 3D environment Featuring solo play, of course, so I know Anthony will be happy. Cooperative play, so I know Jason will be happy. And competitive play, which makes me happy. And team play, which I don't think it really makes anyone happy, but it's in there nonetheless. (laughs) Now, No team games. It's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) They don't work well. (laughs) No. But nonetheless, Gamelin Games is taking this on, and the campaign runs until Thursday, March 7th. So what I'm going to be talking about is just give you a brief overview of the game. Tiny Epic, pretty much everything at this point, is all about these very, very small compact games that really aren't too tiny. They're actually pretty standard size now at this point. And each of them plays pretty differently. So there's been the Western themes, there's been the space theme, there's been the Defenders fantasy type of theme. There's been the Legally Distinct Legend of Zelda theme. And now you have your tactics theme. So... You've seen this this game before in a lot of other iterations. Think, I guess, Crossmaster Arena, but using meeples and cardboard boxes for this multi-use environment. So really what GameLand Games does is really bring something different each and every time to their games. And this looks to be no different. It has a small footprint, but because you can kind of like move the different pieces around, including one really interesting part where there's a mountain piece And if you walk into the cave, the mountain flips over and now you have a dungeon area. There'll be a number of different fantasy characters in which you can kind of fight each other based upon your positioning. You will have your generic fighters that are all about the melee and close combat works for them. You have your wizards and you have your sneaky little rogues. And then, of course, because they're typically pretty awesome and fun to look at, there are like the different kind of beast characters so, you can put together a team, whether it's co op or it's competitive, and it's all about just positioning yourself in the right place and knocking the other team out. It's pretty standard as far as what you're looking at. Um, for $25, you get one map scroll, you get six boxes, and the boxes themselves do different things. You get the tokens. So, you are getting a lot for your money, as you typically do with Gameland games. And if you're interested in Tiny Epic Tactics, it's on Kickstarter right now. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that we want to get to the table. Let's talk about the games that actually did hit our table this week. So what do you have for us?
0: I have two expansions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle through these relatively quickly because the, the general review is if you liked the original game, these are good. If you don't, they don't add anything. So. <laughs> or change anything, but I love both the original games. So uh, just let me gush a little bit about why both these expansions are pretty good. The first one is a feast for Odin, the Norwegians. Now, this is m- my personal favorite Uwe Rosenberg game because of the puzzle pieces. So we all know that's just me and anybody else out there who likes puzzle pieces. It's a highly rated game. There's a lot of us out there, but I think I'm the only one on this podcast. This game adds a lot. It's a big box expansion. It comes with a ton of stuff, and Because the other box is so big, you can't actually jam it all together, which is frustrating. But, you know, there's a lot of content. It adds new islands. It replaces the original islands, makes them a little bit better, rebalances them. Um, These new ones are interesting because they offer some pretty significant upgrades, plus a little bit of tweaking in how they work. Like Some of them are actual cities, so they have like rivers running through the middle of them you have to work around. So that's kind of cool. It offers several new um, puzzle pieces. So you have horses now, pigs, herbs, antlers, tools, stuff like that. So you get a new tray to one of the main reasons you can't put this stuff in the other box. You also get um, new little mini immigration pieces. Uh, So they just cover one of the foods instead of two. And these can be purchased basically and just kind of help you um, close out the amount of food you have to Give out for the rest of the, the game. There's now an option to give away your whaling boats as part of emigration. So you're not just stuck with three whaling boats if you want heavy on whaling early on. The one of the big, big changes though, here is that there's a new board. So the original board was static. It was the same regardless of number of players. The new one is reversible. So you have a different side board for two or three players which has less stuff on it so it tightens it up which is good because the game was a little too loose especially with two players and it now has a fifth row which allows you to take usually better actions but it has to be your last action of the round so a little bit of a push your luck especially in like a four player game where you're like I really want to take that it's really powerful but as soon as I do I'm done so you could theoretically sacrifice actions to do that there's a whole bunch more Uh, gray pieces now that come and you have a separate board and you don't really have to match them to their spaces anymore. You just throw them on the board because there's so many of them. (laughs) And there's kind of a little nod to asymmetry they throw in here where you can get a random start building, which doesn't do a ton because you don't have to build it. It's, I mean, they're interesting. They do interesting things, you know, like maybe one holds a boat and it gives you, you know, income of much higher level than like a, a standard exploration board would but if you don't build it it doesn't do anything but overall i really really like the expansion it adds new stuff which mixes up the game a little bit the new islands are a little more interesting and offer i don't want to say more strategy because i think the islands were always important but now you have a lot more options to choose from and they are more interesting in how they're laid out so the disparity between the points that you lose and you start with are a little bit smaller and the income opportunities are a little bit better I love 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 that fifth row uh or the fifth column there that gives you that extra action because it just really helps you think through how you want to plan out your round and the extra pieces I eh, take them or leave them I don't <laughs> they're interesting but you don't need them in a game like this. So, it is a feast for Odin but just more of a feast for Odin. So if you love a feast for Odin, go get it. If you didn't like it in the first place, it's not going to change your mind. <laughs> so, that's what you got here. So in terms of a rating, I would say it's a buy for sure for me. I, I love it 100%, but it's like any good expansion. It's it's a buy if you agree that the original is a buy. Like, a, obviously, <laughs> that it's more of the same content, really. It's not, I don't feel like the original game is broken or needs expansion. So it's not like you have to get this to make the other game better. But if you have that, this is really good and doesn't cause problems. It doesn't make the game longer. It doesn't break anything. It's not overly complicated. It's just more good stuff to throw in there. So this one's definitely worth picking up. The other one, uh, the other expansion I wanted to talk about is Caverna, the Forgotten Folk. Now, this is an interesting one for a couple of reasons. First, it's not originally designed by Uwe Rosenberg because it was a fan expansion from Alex Wilbur that was on Board Game Geek for a long time. And Lookout Games decided, hey, this is a really cool idea. Let's work together and develop this, which is where Rosenberg got involved. And now we have. An expansion that adds asymmetrical powers to the game, which is really really cool. So you know, in the original Caverna, everybody's the same. You'll have all the same dwarves, and all their powers. They don't have powers really. It's just you go out, you do the work of placement stuff, you build up your cave, you grow your stuff, etc., etc. I'm not going to run through how Caverna works because you guys have been listening to this podcast long enough. (laughs) You probably know, but Forgotten Folk add eight different species. So now you can play as not just dwarves, but elves and trolls and dark elves and weird crystal people. Lots and lots of new options, and each of them has their own special rules. So they have advantages, like extra things they can do, but they also have disadvantages. So you have to be careful and kind of balance those out a little bit. They also add some new resources to the game. So some of the races will have new mechanics that come in that are just for them, which is always kind of interesting. I mean, they all have their own tiles, and you're gonna swap them in. Uh, So on the back of all the tiles that come with each of these individual races, it'll tell you which thing to replace on the market board and uh, anybody can purchase those. So they're just part of the game now. So you can have a variable market now too, which is very interesting, especially if you've played this game dozens of times and you're just tired of looking at the same tiles over and over again. I really, really like this. It doesn't do anything to the core game except for what it says for your race. So you just need to look at your card, read it, make sure you understand it, look at the book, I guess, if there's some tweaks here and there. But in general, it's the same Caverna that you know and love. It doesn't take up any more space. It doesn't make the game any longer. It just tweaks everybody's starting point and general rules that they run through which I think is a huge, huge plus and is definitely going to get this game to the table more if you haven't been able to get it out much. Already, I've been able to get it out a couple times, and that's a couple times more than the last two years, so I'm pretty happy with it. I, I get kind of the same rating for this as Feast for Odin expansion, but maybe a little bit stronger on the buy side, especially if you're having trouble getting convert to the table. Uh, I think this will get people more excited to play.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that, especially for caverna because it was... A little difficult to get the game out because it was such a long game and as you mentioned earlier asymmetry in games is becoming the hot thing so people like to play their own play style now Caverna gives you a lot of ways to play so you would think that would be enough but people really like to have their own thing so i'm really glad to see that especially adding a little more theme to the game as far as a feast for Odin, I, I am just not a fan and any more added to that game really just kind of pushes it out of my plague category just because it's too long, too fiddly. And just, I'd rather play Caverna to be honest with you. They're both amazing. You should buy them both. Listen to me or buy one <laughs> Caverna <laughs> and be happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, that's what it is. Like one's very puzzly. One's more of a straightforward worker placement type of thing. And, uh, they're both amazing, and I'm somehow I have room for both in my playgroups,
1: so I'm happy with that. I got a whole bunch of games. As I mentioned, I went to Dream Nation 2019 and got a lot of really great games to the table. Actually, I'm going to be talking about six of them, but because I only got to play them once, it's not going to be a full review. It's going to be kind of like a first impression review. So I want to talk about these and mention the fantastic teachers I had here. So first up is Straussburg. It's back in 2011 from Stefan Feld. This is from Pegas Spiel. The game is out of print, so I was really excited that this game was available to play. I got to play with someone I play with all the time, Helen. Only get to see her at the conventions, but she was a great teacher. And we got five people to play Straussburg, which was good because it plays best at five because it's an auction game. Now, the great thing about Feld, if if you haven't played Feld games, or maybe you played one or two of Feld games, is that he typically does something pretty different from game to game. There are certain things that run throughout, but typically the games are pretty different that you have a different experience depending on the game that you're playing, and Strauss is no different. The game is all about starting with this little small deck of cards that has your bidding that you can bid in the game and that's the little deck you're going to have throughout the game and you're going to play over a certain number of rounds and you really have to make those cards available to hopefully maximize your bid on all of those so you got to be careful if you reveal too many cards then you're not going to have cards for the later game there are bonus cards in this game and then there is this kind of like area control aspect to the board where You're going to be placing your meeples to control certain areas for additional bonuses. The game was fairly quick, not complicated at all. And it was was pretty much a lot of fun. Now, I would say this game was probably a solid buy for me. I would really enjoy owning this as part of my collection. But as I mentioned, the game is out of print. If you do get a chance, definitely sit down. If you like Feld games or you like auction games, it's not a heavy game. I think it's like a 2.5 or, you know, 2.8 on board Game Geek. It's definitely worth a try. That's Straussburg. Next up, Scoville. Scoville had the great opportunity to meet a fantastic teacher, my friend Virginia, who's actually a math teacher. So I had the most uber teacher possible here. And Scoville is not a light or easy game to teach or play. And this game is all about planting peppers And it has this really interesting mechanic where your farmer moves around and is able to pick a pack of peppers, so to speak. And based upon the color of the peppers that are between the farmer moving through, you're going to get a certain color pepper. Now, there are auctions in this game as well. And there are also chilies that you're going to be able to make. And there's going to be certain contracts you're going to be able to fill And player order is going to be very important in this game. So there are a lot of different moving parts in this game. So I I want to be able to plant first, but if I plant first, then I can't move first and I want to be able to get that contract. But if I get that contract, then I can't take something else. So this game can have a lot of serious AP to it, but we didn't find too much trouble moving through that game. And It was a very, very enjoyable game. I'm sure if you took way too much time, you could definitely break (laughs) trying to play this game. It does have an expansion. Didn't get a chance to play with the expansion. Skullville is a surprisingly buy for me. Great production. It has this double space field where you're able to put your peppers in a little bit into the ground. And depending on the value of the pepper, the pepper is actually bigger. And it has this really really nice production to it so that is skullville next up is paper tales paper tales is a very quick and fast playing card drafting game and it's in the kind of fantasy genre and basically what you're doing is you're going to get your cards you're going to pick and be able to produce whether it's wood or food in the game and then be able to build your certain buildings as the game goes on your different characters will age up and then they'll die off and it's Very, very simple, very, very quick, but you can lock down with some of those decisions as you have a very small tableau in which you're playing your cards. I like this game. It was fun, but there are some cards that are better than other cards, and based upon the draft, you're either going to do very well or very poorly, and a lot of that's out of your hands. Once again, I had the fantastic Virginia teaching this game, and I'm going to give Paper Tales a light play. Next up is patch history a friend from one of the meetup groups michael taught us this game and this game is a civilization game and what you're going to be doing is you're going to have these very very thin paper tiles in which you will connect to your tableau and basically patch on top of another card and that's going to give you money it's going to give you food it's going to give you military it's going to give you defense and it's also going to be able to allow you to add all of these wonders and different leaders in the game. And then basically, you are doing a very, very light version of Through the Ages. So it's all about civilization building. And there is some war aspects as the game goes on. So you can trade on a certain lane, or you can war on that lane. And there's a swingy amount of victory points that happen in this game. I've seen this game a lot because... It's always been on sale because the production is really off. The tile cards are extremely thin and warpy, yet the first player marker is a solid chunk of wood. I don't understand it. It's surprisingly a not bad game for what it is. Now, I wouldn't recommend buying this game at full price at all just because it is a little wonky here and there. It's a little fiddly, and based upon what comes out in the auction, you could do very well or not. The game is a solid play. I really did enjoy it. If I did find it once again on a massive sale, I would pick the game up. Next up is Panamax. This is a game I was really looking forward to. And Panamax is a heavy Euro game. We're talking 3.7, close to a 4.0. Now, Panamax works best at four players. And I only got the chance to play it at three players. Basically, in Panamax, you are playing a very heavy version of Pick Up and deliver. With a little bit of 18 double X mechanics as far as which routes are you taking to be able to unload your cargo. There is a lot of opportunities for stock trading in this game and utilizing special abilities throughout. But basically a lot of the game comes down to moving your ships into the right position so other people can move you through the different locks. The game looks complicated. It seems very heavy and scary. It's got a stock market on ter- on top of everything else. But to be honest with you, it's not a complicated game. Basically, at the start, there's going to be these white dice that are rolled. And each turn, someone's going to take a white die and take the special action. Typically, it's loading a ship or moving a ship. And that's pretty much in a nutshell. And then at the end of the round, your company has to pay for wherever their goods happen to be. So you'll buy stock in your company and other people's companies. But basically, as you manage the company, you'll get some dividends, and that's your victory points in the game. I really, really enjoyed Panamax. I was very surprised. The game is a buy for me, with the one caveat to it that it has these final bonus scoring cards that are somewhat problematic. Some cards score much, much more points than others. I might have a card that can score up to five points you have a card that scores up to 25 points. And that's what that is. So that's a little problematic. I wish those bonus cards weren't in the game. I understand typically games have those things. And I guess the money in this game, the component quality is pretty poor, but the dice, the boards, the ships are a little poor. It's not a fantastic production. So if you get a chance to play it, highly recommend playing it. If you find this at a very good price, I recommend picking it up. And finally, I got a chance to play Australias. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's basically Australia with a big Z in the middle. Now, this is a Martin Wallace game that was taught to me by, once again, my great teacher, Virginia. And it was an interesting game because it's Martin Wallace. So we're talking about a lot of brass mechanics in this game. So it's all about lane track and being able to score points based upon where the track is laid. So you're trying to get to certain areas connect those areas pick up those resources in order to build additional tracks and in this game you're building farms sounds like brass right well it kind of is until you add all of the cthulhu on top of it now if you played a study in emerald then you probably know this mechanic already which is all about trying to push back the old ones and utilizing in this game your military to fight back so build your track build your farms The old ones pop up and try to attack you. You attack back with your military that you're picking up by paying gold. And there's a lot of special cards in this game. It can be played co-op or competitive. I highly recommend the competitive mode. It was a lot of fun. And this game was also another big surprise. I recommend play for Australia's. And maybe if you're a big Cthulhu fan or a big Martin Walls fan, if you could pick this game up on sale, pick it up. It's Australia's. All right, Anthony. There are six games that I just played. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, take a nap.
0: Take a nap. It's good Just go sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I that's funny. Mm-hmm. I've had Strasburg on my shelf for a while now. I collect Feld games, but I haven't played all of the Feld games so I have yet. I've actually yet to play that. I need to get that out. But I do also have Scoville. I love Scoville. It's uh, it's it's a really strong game. And the expansion's really cool. Definitely. <laughs> but yeah, good stuff. I'm glad you like Scoville.
1: That's a good one. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's been hitting our table. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the hottest games in the industry, the stuff that's burning up BGG's top charts. We have our very own Smellmaster Anthony Chaffield, who's going to take you through the hot hits and let you know what you should be talking about when those games hit the table. All right, let's do it. All right, so as we do every month when we
0: do this, I'm going to run through the top 10 to 15 games on the Board Game Geek Hotness, counting down to number one. This is as of February 25th. We all know that this thing changes relatively frequently, but these are the games that are hot right now. Explain why it's on the hotness as well. So number 15, kicking things off, is Darwinots. This is a new game from Green Couch Games, which is known for doing relatively small straightforward games, designed by Chris Bryan, who also did Dragon Ball Z Perfect Cell, which was an, kind of an interesting IDW game that was a little bit too easy, but I like the mechanics of it, and then Favelas, uh, this kind of interesting, abstract kind of game from WizKids. This game is thematically very interesting-looking in that you are the scientists who are going to a new world to research and record new species. The game itself looks to be relatively quick and straightforward, like most of Green Couch's games. And there's not a ton of additional information up yet. Probably it's just a new announcement and the Kickstarter that is inevitably coming down the road sometime, probably in the next couple of months. I'm assuming that it's just announced this to their uh, to their list of previous backers relatively recently. So definitely one to keep an eye on. Some very interesting looking artwork by Vincent de Trott, and it's sci-fi. So that'll be fun. Next up on the list at number 14 is the Arkham Horror Card game, which is on here all the time because they release new content for it every month. I have this stuff on a regular order, and I have not gotten anything new in for this yet, so I'm assuming that I'll probably have something sitting there for me relatively soon, Um, and there's probably new content on the way. I know there's a new deluxe expansion very, very soon to coming out, so hoping to get my hands on that very soon and uh, give it a go. Number 13 is Spirit Island. Now, Spirit Island is uh in both of our top 10 games of all time so it should always be on the list i would think um but right now it is uh sitting at number 13 it's generally up here in in the top chunk of space i don't know of any specific reason why this would jump up under the hotness except maybe there was an update to the kickstarter that ran last fall uh so maybe there's more information about this one and the expansion content coming uh next year but uh for now i'm just happy to keep playing it (laughs) because it's it's fantastic game if you haven't had a chance to play it recently uh next up on the list is a super controversial game that is on the list because it just shipped to backers but also because there's an interesting kind of back and forth flame war going on right now in the comments for it and that's hate from simon this is a game that we've talked about a couple of times since uh, the original Kickstarter last January in 2017 or 2018. And if only because the theme is so raw and in your face and murder, death, kill. And just let's just say we're not really fans. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of what they've done here. And some people are on board with that. Some people aren't. And so then they're just fighting with each other in the comments. And of course, everybody's getting the game in as well. So it's a typical Simon kind of miniature fest. With uh, just an unfortunate theme tacked onto it. So uh, that's what hate is. And it'll probably stay up here for a little while because I imagine this conversation won't die immediately. Next on the list, Terraforming Mars. Terraforming Mars is, again, another game that's just kind of always up here on the list. Always has new content on the way. They're... Should be a new expansion, I believe, that is coming relatively soon. Usually, has something coming out this time of year. Uh, I believe this one's called Turmoil, so it's going to have probably things to mess the game up a little bit. Um, don't know a ton about this yet, but I'm in. Any new content for Terraforming Mars is awesome, so definitely looking forward to any information that comes out about Turmoil in the next you know couple of months, and hopefully it hits shelves in June ish. Red right run origins when these things typically show up next on the list is Coloma Coloma is a new game from final frontier games, um, Jonathan pack Canton. It is currently on Kickstarter. So that is why it is on the list, but it is also very interesting looking. So this is a Euro straight and straight Euro game, but it's based in the American West. These games are always interesting because most Western games try to mix in poker or, gunfighting or some amount of random luck that's just the stereotype of the American West is everything was luck and getting shot at which is which is true but it's, it's just all the games end up being that so this has a little bit of that it looks like but in interesting new ways so there's like a simultaneous action selection at the beginning of each round of the game for example if a majority of people pick the same action then everybody busts and then there's a special bonus that now is not in available because of that, for example. And there's lots of that kind of thing going on here. Also appears to be like a cool rondel element, worker placement involved as well. So I'm interested in it. I always like this theme. I just feel like they always lean a little too, bit too hard into those luck elements. So I will, you know, keep an eye on this one and, and see what comes out of it. Uh, next on the list here is Wingspan. We talked about this one last month. This is the new game from Stonemaier Games designed by Elizabeth Hargrave. Very, very popular already, even though it hasn't technically officially released yet. Jamie ran a pre-order on the Stonemeyer Games website, and so hundreds of people already have the game. It is already in the top 300 on PGG, even though it has not released yet. I think it comes out next week. And from all accounts, it's a charming, very beautiful to look at, relatively light uh, tableau builder, engine builder. So I'm interested to play it and i know it's it's very very hot in a lot of communities right now because everybody got the game in and they're really liking it so don't have a lot more to say about that haven't got a chance to play it yet but hopefully soon next on the list is chris's acquisition disorder this week tiny epic tactics so don't have to say anything else about that we kind of already ran down that one for you but that one is up on kickstarter right now and should be up for another few days if you're interested in checking that one out next on the list is root now, Root jumped up on the list because, A, it's still a relatively hot game that's hard to find, but there's a new expansion coming as well, the Underworld expansion, and that is coming on March 14th to Kickstarter. It's going to have two new factions, We've got the Corvid Conspiracy and the Great Underground Duchy. So we have crows and moles, a new double-sided board with the lake in the mountain, and a new game deck with uh, some new effects. So lots of new content coming here. I'm all about it. Root is one of my top games from last year, and any new content is appreciated content that I will absolutely back and pick up. So that's why this one's on the list. Uh, Next on the list is Dice Forge Rebellion. Now, this is an interesting one, if only because Dice Forge released a couple years ago now, and it's a really fun, relatively light dice crafting game where you level up and upgrade your dice. And Honestly, the thing I remember the most about it is that it had one of the best inserts of any game I've ever seen. The game was good. It was a lot of fun, but it kind of just fizzled away and disappeared from the game store shelves relatively quickly, as most games do these days, because if it's not a mega hit, it's gotta go. So it's always interesting to see expansion, you know, two years later for something like that. But I am decently excited about it. It adds a couple new modules, you get new cards, new dice faces, new boards all sorts of new stuff to add to the game, any kind of game like this, where you have that kind of variability, new stuff is good. So that's why it's all the way up here at number six on the list this week. Uh, Number five is, uh, you guessed it, Gloomhaven, because it's got to be up here somewhere. No particular reason, I'm sure it's just it's Gloomhaven. And it is the number one game of all time on BGG. So there you go. (laughs) Number four is Winterborn. This is a new game from Brian Sewer. He made a game called Coldwater Crown, which is a game about fly fishing that has kind of become a little bit of a cult hit. It was on Kickstarter. There's been an expansion. There's a bunch of content they added, and it's kind of just been floating around and moving up the, the charts a little bit the last two, three years. This is his new game. It is about these three different characters, Viking, Shaman, and Explorer, who are leading their clans and trying to build out their kingdom. It's a relatively... Shortish, lightish looking game, but some interesting artwork, very Norse <laughs> influenced. Um, and it is up on Kickstarter right now. So that will explain why it's up here on the list. Looks to have just launched. So you can check that one out if you're interested in learning more about it. Number three on the list is a very interesting one for a couple of reasons. This is Irish Gauge. Irish Gauge is one of the three titles that Winsome Games released in 2014 at Essen now winsome games releases these basically like print and play level 18 double x games in like plastic baggies at Essen every year and if you want them in the states they are super expensive (laughs) so um our friend Chris actually brought one over to my house a few years ago and we played through one it was relatively quick but it was just the component quality it was like did you print this out he's like no I got this shipped from from Germany. This is a new version of that from coming from Capstone Games and with artwork by Ian O'Toole. So as you can imagine, it is a
1: huge
0: upgrade over what you would normally get. This one is going up on the Capstone website uh, in the next month or so through a new pre-order system that they're starting that is not Kickstarter and maybe probably more in line with what GMT does. So tell us how many people want it and then we'll print it. Looks really pretty. I'm not an 18XX fan, but if they looked like this, maybe I'd be more interested. I don't know. So that's definitely one we're checking out if you are an 18 X fan or just want to see what all the hype is about. The um, number two game right now is Terramara, which is the game I talked about back in Acquisition Disorders. So uh, kind of rewind about 25 minutes there if you want to <laughs> hear about that one. And then number one currently on the hotness is Waste Nights 2nd Edition. So this game is also currently on Kickstarter, as you might expect. It is an adventure exploration game set in a post-apocalyptic Australia. So our second game of that in the podcast. It's it's got fantastic production quality, beautiful miniatures, big sprawling board. You're playing in these different adventures, very plot-based. It's not the kind of game the BGA would cover, just you know, putting that out there. It doesn't mean it's not, you know, probably up your alley, but it is a. Uh, heavily you know it's cooperative it's dice rolling it's role playing it's it's got all the things so if that's your kind of game if you love like these story-driven apocalyptic style games it you know the original edition is fairly highly rated on bgg new one is getting you know some interesting takes already and uh, it's definitely worth checking out uh, because it is up on kickstarter as we speak and should be wrapping up pretty soon so there you have it top 15 from bgg as of
1: the 25th of February. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table.